on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. A lot to get into, Bax. Let's start with the quarterback position for Ohio State. What do you think is going to happen from here? Do you think it's as simple as this is C.J. Stroud's job, You know, period, unless you know the shoulder becomes so bad that he can't play? Do you feel like it's time Kyle McCord or maybe Jack Miller gets a, a chance? What do you think should happen this week and moving forward with the quarterback position? Well, Ryan Day clearly has thrown his lot in with C.J. Stroud. He's talking about, you know, hoping C.J. can practice this week at his press conference when this is a guy who has three career starts. So it's pretty clear Day thinks that Stroud is the guy. Uh, I, I think that there needs to be a very severe look, though, at the health situation with C.J. Stroud. Because he's been fairly ineffective, if you will, at times this year. And I think a lot of it's related to this injury. And look, if you're CJ, you don't want to come out. You know there's two five-star quarterbacks behind you that want to jump on the field and another four-star guy in Jack Miller, right? Like, you don't want to get Wally pipped. But at the end of the day, it's very obvious his shoulder's affecting him. He has no interest whatsoever in running, so it's bringing another dimension away from the offense. And, you know, as right now, what I think needs to happen is we need to see more of McCord, uh, I, I, especially against Akron. We better see McCord play a lot. And, hey, maybe he's not ready. Maybe. I mean, but the reality is none of us are sitting here watching practice uh, unless we're allowed in or whatever. And at the end of the day, the reality is you need another quarterback ready when your starter is injured and you have young quarterbacks with very little experience. So I want to see a lot of Kyle McCord against Akron. I want to see what he looks like with the first team offense. I mean, the third series of the game, put McCord in. And then we also need just to be very honest with, with what Stroud's health situation is. If he's barely able to lift his shoulder on the sideline and constantly stretching it, well, no wonder these balls are going high because his mechanics aren't right. No wonder he doesn't want to run because it probably hurts. And the reality is, though, where CJ has struggled the most so far this season is in those key plays to extend drives. It has been an opportunities to run where he has not taken it. And, you know, it looks to me like he doesn't really want to get hit right now. He's got happy feet in the pocket. These are all things that, you know, over the course of a season, if your shoulders hurt, it doesn't get better quick. So is any of this going to improve for CJ? And, you know, it sucks because I'm sure he's waited for his opportunity and he doesn't want to come out, but if he can't go full board and you have another guy that's, going to be able to get the job done then that guy needs to be in and 
I want to see a lot of Kyle McCord against Akron. Let's just put it that way. And I don't think there's, there's another element here too, Dave. And I'd like your thoughts on this. I don't think Ryan day wants to have anybody, but CJ Stroud from a big picture in at quarterback for anything other than mop up minutes or blowout minutes, because I think he's sitting here thinking he doesn't want to potentially lose multiple quarterbacks to transfers whenever kids are eligible immediately elsewhere. And if Stroud's the guy, it might be enough to hold off the impending McCord-Ewers battle where there can be only one that is going to happen in a year or two at most. And I think I think Day's trying to look at this from a transfer perspective as well. I really think he's just is trying to pick the best quarterback. I, I do believe that. But um, it, it's such a strange situation this week because Akron is terrible. So I don't think we're going to learn much. Let's say Kyle McCord goes out there and tears up Akron. I'd be the first to say I, I would need to see it against an, another team because Akron is terrible. I think a lot of people looked at the schedule this year and saw the first two games. You know, it could be a little tricky. And I think they kind of bracketed Tulsa and Akron, like both terrible teams. Tulsa would blow out Akron. I mean, Tulsa's clearly better than Temple this year, and Temple blew out Akron. Akron is awful. So it's just such a weird week. I mean, I think probably your scenario is probably most likely. I think Stroud's going to start this game. I think McCord will play. I don't think it'll necessarily be the third series, but I would like to see that. But again, this is such a weird week, Bax, with it being Akron. Next week, Rutgers could be tricky. At Rutgers could be tricky. And I think games that I thought would be easy might not be easy. I thought Michigan State was going to be terrible this year. They're actually decent. Now, are they good? I don't, I'm not ready to say they're good, but Peyton Thorne's a decent quarterback, and they're a lot better than I thought they would be. And there's just really no pushovers except for this week. I just feel like this is such a, an odd week because we're not going to learn much seeing these guys play against Akron. You're 100% right on that. Akron stinks, right? So – uh, that also bears out that if we don't see a much improved performance from C.J. Stroud, then all this quarterback discussion that probably is the number one thing people are talking about this week surrounding Ohio State football, uh, all this discussion is only going to get louder and louder and louder because there are people like me who haven't really been impressed what they've seen so far with C.J. He's put up some big numbers, but Against Oregon, it was a lot of empty calorie yards. And, you know, the reality is we have to have a quarterback who's able to keep the offense moving and make those third down conversions and make the plays that get points on the boards. And maybe Stroud's been hurt. Certainly Stroud's been hurt. And maybe that's impeding his ability to perform at his best level. But what we have had a quarterback through three weeks, Dave, hasn't been good enough. I mean, and with this defense looking like it's a 2018 redux, you know, that year, I, I remember saying repeatedly, and I will say it to this day, that Ohio State team that won the Rose Bowl and went 13-1 and that year with an average quarterback was 7-6. and six. Thank God for Dwayne Haskins. I don't see a Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, and I see a very similar defensive situation right now. So Ohio State has to figure this quarterback situation out now. And if Stroud is not able to succeed against Akron or it's another game where when he's in, it's a lot of handoffs and roll out throws to try to protect them. I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to be very concerned because you're right. Rutgers is not a pushover. They are three and Oh, the week after is Maryland. They are not a pushover. They are three and Oh, the big 10 East right now has, I think 
three losses, if, if my, I'm thinking correctly, and it's Oregon, Cincinnati, and Iowa, all of which are top 10 teams. Those are the only losses the Big Ten East has taken right now uh, with Michigan State 3-0, and our rivals 3-0, and Penn State 3-0, and Maryland 3-0, and Rutgers 3-0, and OSU's 2-1, and and then Indiana's two losses were to Iowa, who's fifth, and Cincinnati, who's seventh or eighth. That's a really hard division. And if we're messing around with an injured quarterback and then we're trying to we're forced into trying to run a freshman out there who hasn't gotten a chance to play in these kind of games or not enough of an opportunity to play in these kind of games, it could be a really long season. So, yeah, I'm worried right now. I'm very worried about this quarterback situation because when we talked before the season, both of our expectations for C.J. Stroud was that he would be the best quarterback in the conference. He's been far from that so far. It's a concern. I'm with you. I never thought we'd be sitting here, you know, concerned about quarterback three weeks into the season. Hopefully it's just because his shoulder has been banged up and hopefully that'll get better. But you're right. That is one of those injuries. It's kind of just wishful thinking, hoping that's going to get better when you're a quarterback and it's your throwing shoulder. You kind of need to use that a lot unless you're going to sit him out for a couple of games, which it looks like they do not want to do that. So I, I don't know. It's probably gonna be one of those injuries that lingers all year. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I, I trust Ryan Day. He must see something special in C.J. Stroud, and we've seen glimpses of it. Um, it must be one of those things where if he was 100% healthy, um, he probably would be tearing it up. I, I think it probably is mostly his shoulder, but I never thought we'd be sitting here concerned about quarterback heading into the fourth game of the season. I thought we would be concerned about the defense, but not to this level. My goodness, I definitely didn't think Kerry Combs would be removed from defensive coordinator responsibilities after two weeks. Matt Barnes doesn't have the title of defensive coordinator, as you know, Bax, but is calling the defense. So he's the defensive coordinator. Curious your thoughts on everything that's going on with the defense, with personnel, with the coaching switch up with the responsibilities, why Matt Barnes is on the field and not the press box. I did ask Ryan Day about that. He just said it's, you know, there's there's some pros and cons to it. I still think Matt Barnes should be in the box and Kerry Combs should be on the field, but what do I know? Your thoughts on all things Buckeye defense? Well, I think we'll also have to mention that Paul Rhodes is probably heavily, 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 heavily involved in the game planning. And you could see the way that the defense schematically changed things up against Tulsa. You know, we were seeing a lot more blitzes. We were seeing a lot more stunts. We were seeing a lot more uh, – there was a lot more thought that went into the defense, even if it didn't pan out um, because you, you saw multiple pressures of three men with a spy. You had your couple four men that was pretty much all Kerry Combs ever did, but then they brought five and six different times. I think the one disconnect was, is that when you're bringing five and six, we need to stop being so soft on the zone and coverage and put these guys man to man. Because the weird part is I actually feel like our corners are pretty decent between Burke Brown now Banks is healthy like I feel like Ohio State actually has cornerbacks right now which is something that I think we were all really worried about at one point um but the front the, the defensive line hasn't gotten enough pressure flat out they have not been good enough and then our linebackers have been up and down 18 guys rotating into games I think I read a stat somewhere that said against Tulsa Tommy Eichenberg had like 50 snaps and zero tackles like at linebacker that's unfathomable to me um, I think as weird as this sounds, the linebacker who's impressed me the most outside of Cody Simon is Steel Chambers, who was a running back until a couple months ago. Uh, I, I think the defense right now has a lot of things to figure out. I do like that we're changing things up, though. We're not being eminently predictable. 
We're not just running a base that where we know our four are going to get pressure because they're not. So that's all been good. Um, end of the day, though, I do agree with you. I think Barnes should be up in the box, but I think they want Barnes near Paul Rhodes, who is down on the field during games, to try to have essentially have Paul Rhodes while he's not coaching, coach with him. And I, I like Kerry Combs on the field because you want his energy around the players. But, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what he's doing up in the box because the big scheme schematic stuff is not really proven to be his forte. His forte is he's a great corner coach. He's a great recruiter. He brings a ton of energy. And you know what? There's no shame in, in the fact that, you know, we sh- the Peter principle applies and Kerry Combs kind of succeeded to his highest level. And then it's very clear what he can and can't do. So I hope I, I have hope for the defense as bad as this sounds. I, I have hope for the defense. Once they kind of settle on some linebackers, we get a little bit of a kick up and play from the D line. We've seen some good things from the secondary. Like as weird as it sounds, we gave up 400 passing yards, but I felt like our corners played pretty well. Uh, again, I come back to the fact that if our quarterback has a shoulder injury and can barely practice, despite the fact it's his first year as a starter, that's a bigger concern to me right now than our defense, which at least they're doing things and trying things to make it change. So. You know, the defense needs a lot of work. And if they give up 20 points to Akron, then we're all going to panic badly because Akron stinks. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, at least they're trying to do something different on defense, which I think is a step in the right direction. They're no longer following Einstein's law of insanity, which is, of course, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. At least we're doing something different. It's not all bad news, Bucknutters. This freshman class, this true freshman class is special. I mean, this is like, maybe it's every, every four years. 2013 was a special class. 2017 was a special class. 2021, we're going to look back on that as a extremely special class as well. Travion Henderson has already announced himself as a superstar to the world of college football. I love it. 277 rushing yards, breaking Archie Grish, Griffin's freshman rushing record, third highest total in Ohio State history behind only Trey Sermon last year and Eddie George in 1995. So Travion Henderson is an absolute superstar. You mentioned Denzel Burke. I mean, he looks like he's a future star. I can't remember the last time a true freshman corner started from day one at Ohio State. I don't think that's ever happened before. He looks really good. Tyleek Williams looks like Jonathan Hankins 2.0. I love that. JTT looks really good. Jack Sawyer doesn't look as good as I thought, but I still am high on him. They love Donovan Jackson on that offensive line. He's a backup this year, but he'll be a future starter for sure. They love him. Uh, and, you know, I kind of forget Kyle McCord's a true freshman. It feels like he's a sophomore. <laughs> Quinn Ewers, on and on and on. I'm sure I'm leaving some guys out. But, oh, the wide receivers that we haven't seen a lot of yet, Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka. Um, I like those guys a lot. This freshman class is special. You know what? Is uh, I can agree with everything you said there. Some of our best players the last couple games have been freshmen. The freshmen are getting the job done. The reality is, almost all of our best players last week against Tulsa were freshmen. Where's our leadership, right? Like, like we, we talk about how Tyleek Williams and JTT look great. And, you know, you're getting these young guys that are bringing this extra energy. And JTT had that play against Oregon where he put a lineman on his ass and blew a run up. We had nowhere near enough of that. Where are the older guys? Where are the leaders? Where are these guys who've been in this program for a couple of years? Right. Because like on the offensive side of the ball, you're getting a little bit of it with some decent performances on the on the O-line. Obviously, the three elite receivers are doing their job if they can ever get found. But 
we're not seeing a ton of senior leadership, upperclassmen leadership. You know, it's great that these freshmen are so good and so impactful. Where's everybody else? And that's another thing with OSU's team right now that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a great thing that these freshmen are this good and it's exciting. It's not a good thing that they're outshining players that have been the program for two, three years, almost across the board coming out of the Tulsa game. So, you know, you need the rest of this team to kind of, you know, buckle down, quit worrying about NIL sponsorships or whatever else is going on and get back to the number one most marketable thing about themselves, which is being really good at football. So, you know, that that's a concern too. And I hate to be so negative on the, on this, on this podcast right now, Dave, because, you know, I don't want to be like that, but the reality is, you know, we can talk about how awesome Travion Henderson was for sure. We can talk about how good the young D linemen look and my gosh, Denzel Burke. And right. There's so much excitement there. Right. But the flip side is we've got to see more from everybody else and outside of a few individuals, because it's not fair saying that every one of the upper class, but isn't playing well, but at the end of the day, we need more plain and simple. And the freshmen are at least doing their end of the bargain. Everybody else needs to step up. Last thing on the show here, turf wars. Man, the field turf at Ohio Stadium is a mess. They're not going to replace it until after the season. For those that are wondering, can they do anything midseason? Well, they're not going to. I don't know if they could. They're not going to. It's a problem. And Ryan Day was asked about it three or four times yesterday, including by myself. You could tell he didn't want to get in trouble with his bosses. He didn't want to sit there and rip the field. And uh, he was very measured in his words. And they've really got to look at what cleats they're wearing and things like that. But he was finally asked point blank, okay, forget about the cleats and all that. What about the field itself? What are your thoughts on that? He said, I'm just going to let the experts, I'm going to listen to what they say. He just, you know, he didn't want to get in trouble. You could definitely tell. Smart move on his part. But this is a problem, man. I mean, this is embarrassing. This, this is a bad look for Ohio State. This looks like a high school stadium, the field itself, not the stadium. The stadium is still a cathedral. The field looks like if you go to like a high school stadium that hasn't been like, had field turf installed like 20 years ago, because um, they've been playing lacrosse on it at Ohio Stadium for years. They are now building a new lacrosse field. But it looks torn up, man. It's embarrassing, and it's too bad they didn't do something about it uh, during the offseason. Hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. I don't think there are any problems with it last year. But uh, you, the usual lifespan, for those that are wondering, of these field turfs, about eight years. This one was installed in 2014. So not good, backs. Not good. Yeah, it looks like somebody took an eraser and just kind of erased the top level of the turf off. I mean, it's brutal at this point. <laughs> Um, so I saw a picture side by side of what it looked like brand new and it's just totally faded. I don't know if it affects the quality of the performance on the field. God forbid somebody gets hurt with a cut on a field that is clearly deficient. It needs fixed and it's embarrassing. One of the richest athletic departments in the program that are in the country that we can't get the field fixed at our flagship, like, program i i look at it and it's the equivalent of like our basketball court like like having spots that are like you know people are just catching their feet left and right or you know it's the equivalent of uh, of our hockey program having like you know ice where you can't see the blue line underneath it like what are we doing this is ohio state freaking football so i i it's embarrassing there's no other way to put it i'm glad they're putting in new turf next year but this it, the fact that it got to this point is embarrassing. So hopefully, hopefully, the field at least still is normal 
for the players to play on, but I know they've complained a little bit about it as well. It's not a good look. It's not a good thing. It needs fixed. And I just hope we get through this year without this field hurting anybody because it's bad. Whenever you have a $100 million athletic department, you can't even get turf field at Ohio Stadium fixed. It's a joke. It sure is. What's not a joke is Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is must-read material. It is the bucket. Thanks to Bax. Thanks to all listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.